Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome back, Jets fans, to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Brady. I will be your host today. After a 3-2 loss, the Jets lose to the Buffalo Sabres here in Winnipeg. Ooh, boy. What an interesting game. Um, I am going to try to bite my tongue a little bit here. Uh, people like to, uh, you know, misconstrue criticism for not being a fan of the team. Um, I'm just going to say right now, I will likely be pretty negative this episode. Um, but for good reason, the Winnipeg Jets up until this point have been fighting for first place in the Western Conference. Uh, they've had a great season, much better than expected. Uh, and we've seen the Jets play well. Tonight was not one of those nights. Tonight, we got classic Paul Maurice Jets. Uh, not not 1.0, but Jets. Uh, the, the first coming of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we got that team tonight. Um, an absolutely abysmal effort by the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Uh, we're going to dive in. We're going to dig into this right away. But bef before we do all that, got to get this one out of the way because I'm probably just going to ramble all show. I apologize if this isn't going to be, uh, you know, the most cohesive thoughts episode. This is going to be a spewing of thoughts. Um, but regardless, think you know which way it's going to go. Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live and player on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Sports Interaction, uh, oops, join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, guys, let's let's dig in here uh, to this game. Um, I always like to preface the show with uh, or preface the game breakdown part of it with kind of what I'm expecting, what I'm hoping to see uh, from the Jets coming into the game. So tonight, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, uh, last time the Jets played them was in Buffalo not too, too long ago. I remember doing the game over that night. Um, and myself, uh, I remember being pretty frustrated with the Jets and how they played that night. However, they did come out with the win. They did squeak one out despite um, heavily getting outshot uh, and um, despite, sorry, despite heavily getting outshot and Connor Hallibuck having to stand on his head, the Jets did win. Of course, that is not the way it goes tonight. Um, well, one thing I remember, you know, look, going back to that game is I remember after doing my show, I was pretty negative after that. I usually like to watch, um, you know, whether it's later on after the show or the next day, I like to usually watch Kenny and Rennie. I think they usually do some pretty good uh, analysis. I'm sure if you're watching this show, you're familiar with Kenny and Rennie. They're on uh, not too, too much later than us. Um, and, you know, a great show and everything. But one of the things that Sean Reynolds uh, of Sportsnet was saying was that he thought that last game that the Jets played the Sabres, the Jets did very well, uh, or did, despite, you know, getting heavily outshot, they did well to make things easy for Connor Hellebuck. Uh, the shots that they were letting on were not crazy high dangerous chances. Um, you know, there were some really crazy uh, breakdowns, but all in all, he kind of defended how the Jets played because he thought that despite getting heavily outshot, he made it so that those shots were easy for Connor, or they made it so that Connor Hellebuck had a really good chance of making the save tonight was not the case 
Um, I I'm I will be surprised to see what uh, you know the the other uh, post game shows have to say about this game here, but I doubt that we're going to hear much positive. Um, this game ended up being you know three two, uh, not it shouldn't have been. I'll be honest with you, like as I was watching this, I couldn't help but feeling you know the the Jets ended up you know they they finally score what was it like three minutes left, four minutes left in the in the third when Nate Schmidt scores on the power play, which we're going to dig into the power play later. Um, I almost sat here going, if the Jets don't win this game, if the Jets do not come back from this, which it didn't seem like they were going to, you know, they've had a good push at the end. Uh, again, we're going to go through the game a little bit more, but I was sitting here going, I, I think the Jets need right now to lose this game. And it sounds really dumb to say this, but right now, again, it's January. This is the time to make your mistakes. Uh, it's better to make these mistakes now than it is, you know, in, in March, in, not March, in April, May, June. You don't want to be having games like they had t- tonight in the future when there's actual stakes on the, on the line. At the end of the day, it's, it's the, you know, the end of January. These, you know, every game counts the same as, as others, but if you're going to make mistakes, now is the time to do it. And boy, oh boy, did the Jets make some mistakes. And I almost, and, and as what I was trying to say there was that I think it almost would have been better for uh, the Jets to take, just take their L and learn from it. Whereas, you know, I, I, I don't think that Rick Bonus isn't going to hold them to a high standard. I expect him to come in and rip them to shreds as I expect he was between each period. And I expect him to uh, rip them to shreds uh, next practice. And I, I wouldn't, I like, this is a bag skate game. Like this is a game where you go next time you're on the ice. No pucks. I'm sorry to say like the, the, the next practice should be a no pucks practice. The jets need to learn. They're all adults. You can't play hockey like this. You cannot. Tonight was a joke, a slap in the face. They owe Connor Hellebuck plenty of beer after, uh, absolutely hanging him out to dry tonight. Um, it was brutal. Again, coming into this game, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna step back again one more time. Uh, you know the Jets uh, had a uh, you know had had their road trip. What was it? Five game? I think it was five games, ten days. Blah blah blah. Who cares? Uh, at the end of their road trip, they played the Nashville Predators, lay a bit of a dud, um, and you know end up losing. It's kind of normal at the end of a road trip. Everyone's trying to just get home, um, but. As we've kind of seen in, in, in you know, the, the talk around the Jets, they seem to be a team, and this actually tends to be, I think, a, a trend around the NHL. When a team comes home after a long road trip, usually the first game back isn't always the, the best, which is surprising because, you know, you're finally getting home, you get to sleep in your own bed, you get to have practice on your regular ice. The Jets had a, a couple days off, or did they? When they play, was it? When did they play the Preds? I can't remember. I didn't do the game over for that one. Thank you, Liz, for taking that one. Um, but you know, Rick bonus trying to prepare his team tonight, brought them all in to, uh, to, you know, to practice for morning skate a little bit earlier than usual, putting an emphasis on this game saying, guys, we can't just play lackadaisically. This is the Buffalo Sabres. We played them again. They've got four 20 goal scorers on their team. Uh, Victor Olofsson, who's not part of that 20 goal club, uh, has been on a heater who, again, another goal tonight. Um, this is a team that the Jets know, especially from the last time that they played them, that they cannot sleep on them. But also at the same time, 
the Buffalo Sabres aren't the best team defensively. Also, I think we also need to remember the fact that, like, you know, the Buffalo Sabres aren't a playoff team at the moment. They're fighting, and, you know, the East is much better than the West. I think that's very obvious, especially when you look at the standings. But this is a team that is not a playoff team. Like, what's going to happen if when the Winnipeg Jets play Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, whoever it is that they get in their first-round matchup, if they play like this, they're going to be walking out like it's it's you know for nothing, like it's against the Habs, and they're just going to get swept. Like this is a team that needs to be better, and they need to consistently be better. Since that Penguins game where we were like, oh my god, this is the blueprint game. The Jets haven't played that well. There was maybe I guess you could maybe point to the win against like Ottawa, but like it's Ottawa. Like I I, I expect the Jets to come out and play well against them. Um, so tonight was a catastrophe. Um, so now I'm going to get into my more, you know, my my breakdown of the game. Um, at this point uh, here, before we do that, I'm going to grab a sip of water. I'm going to look into chat, see if anyone has any uh, any ish, any uh, comments here. Atacan man says, what a disgrace. I want my money back. TSN turning point, PLD whiff pass, two open guys in front. I actually have a different TSN turning point, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, the money back thing, this was a thing I forgot to say before. I One of my best friends, um, his father, uh, doesn't, doesn't go to many Jets games. He's a pretty casual Jets fan, uh, and he was saying to me the other day how excited he was to go see the Jets play live. Uh, as Atacan Man says in the chat, I want my money back. I would hope that he would too. Imagine this is the one game that you go to all year to see the Jets and they just lay an absolute goose egg here. Like, shout out Eric Comrie. I, he didn't have to play that well, but great for him to get his revenge game against the Jets and win. Uh, I'm happy for him. But um, boy, oh boy, the Jet, the the can or the the, <laughs> the True North Sports and Entertainment uh, Corporation owes some people some refunds. That was a brutal game. Brutal. I'm going to have a sip of water. And then we're going to dive into uh, go period by period. Okay. Sabres beat Minnesota, Dallas, and Colorado. Uh, This is another uh, comment. Jay Gills. Gills, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Hot take. Buffalo beats Boston round one. No, they don't. (laughs) Absolutely no, they don't. Um, (laughs) We got Jason Gross saying pissed? Question mark. I am. Greetings from Buffalo. Happy to see, uh, you know, I'm happy to see at least someone's happy in the chat here. Uh, cause boy, oh boy, what a atrocious game from the Jets. And it starts off early. Um, honestly, I thought the Jets came out actually pretty decently. Uh, you know, they started the game off pretty well, uh, for the first, I don't know, five, six minutes or so. Um, but the big key from the, from the start of the game, sorry, from the first period that I saw was, uh, the Jets were making horrible, horrible turnovers in their defensive end. Um, they were unable to, uh, you know, get the puck out. Their breakouts were brutal. Uh, the the top lines got hemmed in, which, by the way, the top lines today were friggin' brutal, like absolutely awful for the Jets. The only two lines that actually had anything going was Morgan Barron, uh, Lowry, and Kuhlman. And then the fourth line, like Kevin Stenlin had a fantastic game. I think I, at one point in the third period, I remember remarking to my girlfriend sitting beside me that uh, after they brought the stat up that Kevin Stenlin had... Uh, what was it? Four shots for the Jets or it was either three or four shots and they only had 12 shots total at the time. How does a guy on your fourth line on your fourth line have a quarter of your shots or a third of your shots, whatever it was at the time? 
regardless, how, how, literally how, Dubois, I thought, had an awful game. Uh, he looks completely disengaged. There was one specific time I remember lo- uh, seeing where um, it was a, kind of like a two-on-one with him and and Nikolai Ehlers, and it seemed like he couldn't really, like, he just didn't, he just didn't seem engaged. Like, it, it was just a poor game all around from the top uh, six. Mark Shifley looked awful again tonight. How many times did he get picked off in the middle of the neutral zone? Like, you have to be better about that. Um, anyways, again, this is just going to be a ramble episode. I'm sorry. I'm just frustrated. And it's so difficult to really string together a story of this game other than, oh, my God, the Jets were awful. Um, let's just see here. Just a moment here. Yeah. In the first seven minutes, the Jets had seven defensive zone turnovers. Like, what are you guys like? What are you doing? What? I can't I can't process what happened. Like, I just I can't. This game was so frustrating to watch. Um, The Jets finally get a power play and it was awful. The power play tonight was Brutal. I know they end up scoring on the Nate Schmidt goal with, what, four minutes left after uh, another high stick. But the Jets had, what, like four chances on the power play tonight? And every single time, the first unit was awful. One thing I do not understand, I'm I'm super happy to see that Rick Bonus is uh, has been putting um, Nikolai Ehlers in a place to succeed, putting him on that top power play unit. That's something we've been screaming about for years. But one thing I don't understand... Why is Kyle Connor the one who's getting the drop passes for the speed and the break-ins? You have one of the most efficient zone entry players on your team, on your first power play in Nikolai Ehlers. I don't understand why Kyle Connor is the one carrying the puck in. And that's not to slight Kyle Connor. I think he's, you know, we've seen the hands that he has. We've seen the, uh, the elusiveness that he has. He is, you know, he's a great player. But at the same time, I look and I just go, you have one of the best zone entry players in the league, if not the best. It's him and Matt Barzal who are top, of, always top of the zone entries. Um, and you're just not using him correctly. One of the things uh, in the in the pre, uh, pre-game, Rick Bonus was kind of talking about uh, Nikolai Ehlers. And one of the things that he said was he's still kind of trying to figure out how to properly use him. He's happy with where Ehlers is, but he thinks that there's more there that he can give more to the team. I agree. It's always good to push your players to be better, but I think that that also, you know, Rick bonus does, does, as he said, still need to figure out how to properly use him. And one of the key spots is on that power play. He needs absolutely needs to be the player carrying the puck in because otherwise 95% of the time you have to dump it in. And, and then you're just going to a puck battle. Like we, you know, a- analytics people will talk about uh, dump ins and just call them essentially like a glorified turnover because all you're doing is you're putting a puck into open ice. You know, in certain in certain situations, you know, dump ins are totally fine when you have to do it when it's the only option available to you. But if you're constantly dumping the puck in, that means that you are showing the fact that you are unable to enter the zone properly. Um, So that's. That's one thing to start with. Um, man, this is it's, just the breakdown is going to take the entire show before I even want to talk about other things after. Um, but good grief. Uh, the only thing I'll say uh, after that power play, you know, 
uh, one thing I wrote down, Morgan Barron is a possession monster. He had a fantastic game tonight. I think that when the line blender came out in the second period, I would have loved to see, uh, you know, Morgan Barron bumped up to one of the top six roles. Uh, it just didn't seem like anything was happening in the top six. And I think that he uh, was showing every single time that the Jets had no momentum or, you know, they would come off of a power play and, you know, the Jets put out their like third line that's kind of weird and jumbled where like, it's uh, because Lowry isn't able to play there. It's like Stenlin playing with Morgan Barron and Kuhlman. Uh, that line always, always was able to get momentum rolling for the Jets again, which is like, which is a surprise because usually after a, P, uh, a penalty is killed, the team that killed it usually has the momentum spike. But I found that, you know, Morgan Barron was battling in deep all night. Uh, he had a fantastic game. Kevin Stenlin also another fantastic game by him. Um, it was just brutal. And then, I wish I could show, I wish you could see, I, I could hold it up here, but I have, this is one of the longest, uh, the most amount of notes I've written for a game. And it's because I wrote down multiple times every time that the Jets passed too many times. And I miss a lot too. These are just the ones where I'm like losing my mind. They're in the first period, there's one where, um, actually this isn't really a, a passing or a one day where they pass too much, but there's the one where Shifley's breaking in, makes a nice pass over to Ehlers, passes it back to, to Shifley. He misses the net. Again, you got to get shots on. You have to get shots on. But at this point it wasn't, you know, it wasn't dire to be getting it on. I mean, obviously you want to see shots going on, but at this point the game was just kind of like a, you know, it wasn't completely falling out of the jets control. Um, Again, just sloppy start, bad turnovers, third line possession was good, uh, not enough shooting, power play stinks. So those were my notes for the uh, for the first period. And then and Adam Lowry said, uh, you know, had a quote between periods that kind of uh, sums it up. You got to get the puck in the zone. Uh, basically, that was uh, Lowry when he was asked about what, you know, what was the issue in regards to uh, the, the power plays, he spoke only for his own unit because he didn't want to speak for the first unit. Uh, but I think that that could have been applied to both. And then we enter the worst period of hockey that the Winnipeg Jets have played in a long time, all year for sure, uh, to the point where the CLC, the Canada Life Center, started booing. We have not, I, I at least to my knowledge, we have not heard any booing at all in the Canada Life Center towards the Jets. Uh, but absolutely absolutely necessary here and completely earned uh the jets had the again the worst period i've seen the jets play in a long time um going back to my my uh you know the jets need to shoot more uh we have uh <laughs> we have an opportunity where you know the jets kill off the penalty that starts the second period and then um you know they start to get they put on their their post pk line which is usually like shifley um Shifley, Connor, and Dubois all together. Shifley gets a nice uh, entry on the left side of the, of the zone. And Pierre-Luc Dubois is opened up for a one-timer. He gets a pass across from Mark Shifley. What does he do? He does not shoot the puck. He moves it over to the side, dishes it back into the center, kind of to Cal Connor. It goes, it goes behind Cal Connor and in front of whichever D-man was in the slot at the time. And again, I just write, please shoot the puck. Please shoot the puck. Oh my God, you can't score without shooting the puck. And then less than like, like a minute later, you have the same thing. You have Lowry, uh, Kuhlman, and Ehlers breaking into the zone. Lowry passes it off to Kuhlman. Kuhlman is at the top of the slot. No defenseman on him. He passes it over to Ehlers. Don't get me wrong. In a lot of cases, I would say, you know, I would rather have Ehlers taking the shot. But at this point, 
The Jets need to get pucks on net. I don't care. Eric Comrie needs to be tested. He has to be. And the Jets did not do that at all tonight. How many, like, I, I, I feel crazy. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills right now. <laughs> but the entire time, like, I, I have never been the guy to be like, shoot, shoot the puck. But if I was at the game, all I know is that I would be screaming, shoot the goddamn puck. Oh my God. So frustrating. Uh, and then what I consider to be the TSN turning point of the game, Adam Lowry gets hurt. Uh, I don't think that this specifically caused anything. It's just kind of a, a, a you know, a, a moment that kind of signified exactly when everything went south. Um, and then for the final 15 minutes and 46 seconds, that's right. All, like over uh, three quarters of the period, the Jets get zero shots and they get absolutely run over by the Buffalo Sabres. Again, the Jets should have expected this. The Buffalo Sabres is one of the are one of the best uh, goals for team in the league. Um, the, the reason they're not in a playoff spot is because they're not as good defensively and their goaltending isn't great. You know, things that you would hope the Jets could kind of, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, uh um, <laughs> take advantage of, uh, but they didn't at all tonight. Um, there, there was one, there was one specific, uh, thing that I've written down here right before the, the, the Sabres ended up scoring. There was this one play where Casey Middlestad gets the pass at the top of the blue line and he just walks in and like great patience by him. He did fantastic on this great moves, but he didn't really make a lot of moves. He just kind of was very patient and every single Jets player, you know, scurried out of the way, make sure, oh, no, don't shoot it at me. Like it, it and and no one plays him. He's able to walk from the blue line all the way into almost the slot, like almost the, the blue paint, like into the slot easily gets a shot off. Luckily, um, you know, this is the one where Connor Hellbuck goes diving out into the abyss uh, and is, you know, you can make one of those um, shooting star memes about uh, Connor Hellbuck going flying uh, out of the out of his blue paint. And luckily, Neil Pionk, you know, as much as we've ragged on him, did save a goal here for the Jets. Uh, so good on him. But all of that, that entire play was just an, a massive breakdown. Uh, the Jets need to be better. Uh, again, finally, the Jets, uh, sorry, the Sabres uh, end up scoring uh, after they possessed the puck for like three minutes. Um, again, no shots for the final 15 minutes and 46 seconds. It just seemed like the Jets were just doing their best to survive at like, what, 25 minutes into the game? Like, what is going on? Um. So, yeah, so the Sabres take the lead. Um, I'm just I, I'm just reading through my notes now. Sabres take the lead. Uh, Connor Hellebuck robs, uh, makes that really nice uh, save off of the rebound where uh, the I can't remember which Sabres player it is shoots from the right side of the ice. Big rebound goes out to the left to the left. Uh, Connor Hellebuck slides across, makes a nice save on the guy. Uh, so good on him. Fantastic. Great. It's a good thing that the Jets have Connor Hellebuck. This game could have easily been, I don't know, five, two, six, two. Who knows? Um, and it gets even worse as we continue on. Um, <laughs> the Jets get absolutely embarrassed. Uh on the second goal that the Sabres score. This is the one where, um, oh God, who was it? Who broke into the, into the, into the, uh, the zone by the Sabres? Who cares? It was, it was the Sabres top line. Uh, their, their three pronged, uh, attack, 
of killers having uh, Jeff Skinner, uh, Tage Thompson, and uh, and Alex Tuck. Uh, whoever it is on the left side, I'm just going to say Skinner. Skinner breaks it in on the left side, uh, makes a nice pack pass backdoor uh, for, I believe, Tage Thompson. I can't Again, I can't remember which players were involved with the goal specifically. Uh, and... What you see by the Jets here, oh, sorry, bef- before that, he makes a beautiful pass. Of course, Connor Hellbuck goes, you know, slides all the way across for the shot. Um, you know, Sabres has a ha- uh, Sabres player has a beautiful play, passes it back into the middle of the ice, and he's got a wide open cage, uh, a gaping four by six, as Kevin Sawyer always says, which I hate. I'm sorry that you ha- you had to listen to that. Uh, and he scores one of the easiest goals of his career because it's a wide open net. Um, but this was an absolute breakdown and the player I'm pinning the blame on, uh, you know, I'm sure there's more blame to be given out on the way into the zone. But uh, what happens is Neil Pionk plays the man at who entered the zone at the blue line, which is what he should do. That's that was I was totally fine with that play. And then Brendan Dillon is just caught in no man's land. He tries to swat at the puck uh, at, at, you know, the, the Sabres player makes a nice saucer pass to the guy back door. Uh, he swats at the puck. And then you have Carson Kuhlman coming in, playing, you know, back checking on that guy there. And then Brendan Dillon, again, is just in no man's land, is sitting, you know, just above the blue paint. And then the pass goes back up to the top of the slot. And then he tries to block the shot and misses. Got to be better. In general, that it was just a, a complete breakdown by the Jets. Just awful. Brutal. Um, and then there, there was this one play with four minutes left in the, in the, in the second period that perfectly culminated how the second period was going uh the sabers full court press against the jets absolutely dominating them and one of the sabers players like swats away one of the jets sticks and it kind of you know it kind of slashes it away and every single player at least four of them for sure but i'm pretty sure every single jet player all at once i'll go to 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 try and call for a penalty. You want to know why? That's the only way the Jets could have, in, like, had any sort of potential of having possession in the offensive zone is if this, the refs call a penalty on the Sabers, and the Jets get an offensive zone faceoff, um, which we'll talk about faceoffs probably too, because <laughs> that was a fun little uh, theme of tonight. We might go a little long tonight, but that's okay. I'm having fun, um, and then. Again, another another perfect moment, I think, that culminates exactly down to what the Jets did poorly today and what could have caused them to actually, uh, you know, what they could have changed to be better. Um, there's this one play with like about two and a half minutes left in the second pl- in the second period where Cole Perfetti is back checking and stops a guy up on the on the blue line for the Jets. Um, he stayed on him like like white on rice, like just absolutely uh, glued to this guy you know, pickpockets the puck away from him. It's the defensive effort you need to see from your forwards at the blue line. Again, a, de- a denied zone entry, basically. And Cole Perfetti makes a pass up the ice, and then the Jets start going. And the Jets actually got a little bit of possession in the offensive zone. They still didn't get any shots on because, again, like I said, they had no shots in the final 15 minutes and 46 seconds of the second period. Oh, my God. You're, you're a hockey t- You're... I don't know. I don't know what to say. Oh, brutal. Uh, and then also we love us fans. Uh, again, the Jets, like I said, fully revert back to their old ways. And we see the the, 
the the nail in the coffin to to really tell us that we're back to you know the Paul Maurice days. We see Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler hop over the boards together, and that's how you know the Jets have fully reverted back to their Paul Maurice ways for tonight. Uh, brutal, uh, just just brutal again. Uh, blender wise, you know, I I don't blame Rick Bonus. That the t- the top two lines were awful tonight. They were brutal, um, so I don't blame him for trying to mix it up. And and uh, he didn't stay on that you know combination. He was just trying stuff, which again, good on him. But at the same time, I I think that tonight would have been a good time to potentially you know uplift some of the guys who were actually playing well, like Morgan Barron, uh, Kevin Stenlin, those guys. Uh, and you know, we those were guys who were on the ice near the end of the game when the Jets are trying to, trying to tie it up as they should be, because they were the only guys who actually, you know, gave a shit tonight. And then, uh, and then, yeah, third period happens. Pierre-Luc Dubois starts the period off with a gigantic pizza, passes it off to a guy uh, who's all alone at the blue line. He walks in for a nice shot. Cool. Great. Uh, then the Jets break down again. Uh, Neil Pionk starts playing uh, a, a, the second. There, there's the, sorry. I got to slow myself down. I apologize. Uh, Sabres have possession in, in, in the, um, you know, in the Jets zone in the corner. Uh, one of the Jets forwards was playing. I think the centerman was playing uh, the man who had the puck. Neil Pionk comes over, also tries to play him. Uh, I don't know if you know, you know, five guys on each side. If, uh, if two guys play on one guy, that means that there's, you know, four guys and three guys left. You know, a bit of a mismatch and uh, a guy is left wide open in front uh, Jeff Skinner gets a beautiful chance. It goes off the crossbar um, or post. I don't know. There was a ping. That's all I remember. <laughs> um, and then almost immediately after the same thing happens, the same thing happens. Um, and but Connor Hellebuck makes the save. Why? Why even in the third period still the Jets are allowing like prime perfect chances like how many times did it, did it look like the jets were on the pk tonight when they weren't like the sabers ran their show everyone's tweeting how they got uh harlem globe globe trottered by the sabers they absolutely did like that's the best way to describe how this game went um again the only the the, the next note i have written down here is that the sabers zone entries uh were super easy again how are you get getting caught cheating uh you know for offense and not producing any offense I don't know. I don't know uh, what to tell you guys. Um, but then, like I said, eventually uh, the you know the Jets end up scoring with about four minutes left to make it three one. You know, we hear a little Mambo number five. I think it's the most un- undeserved Mambo number five that we've had. It wasn't probably if I was in the arena, I wouldn't have been going too crazy. Uh, then, of course, PLD scores with what forty one seconds left. Too little, too late, boys. You guys can't turn it on in the last four minutes. You have to play. Uh, 60 minutes of hockey. You can't just play, um, you can't just play like what, how many minutes of hockey do you think the Jets played tonight? Like what? 20, maybe not even, uh, I wouldn't even say that maybe 15, like the first 10 minutes or so of the, of the first and the last four minutes of the third, like just absolutely awful. Um, (laughs) just brutal. Uh, Neil flood Skinner to talk to Thompson. That was, uh, in regards to the, um, (laughs) the the wide open goal um but yeah a- anyways it's it's a it's a tough night for the jets oh i, I missed the <laughs> i missed the olafson goal they scored off of the uh on the on the schmidt penalty where he elbowed hopefully doesn't dylan cousins is okay it looks kind of scary when when you see a guy go down like that where he doesn't really know exactly where he was um yeah just just brutal all right that was uh you know again 
to reiterate the big issues, defensive zone turnovers, um, allowing easy entries and being unable to enter the uh, the offensive zone. The power play stunk tonight. Uh, too many defensive zone uh, lapses and, again, turnovers. Unable the, the lack of ability to break out the puck. Just a brutal game all around by the Jets. Too little, too late. They end up losing, as they should, as they deserve, to the Buffalo Sabres. Um... I had a, a whole thing I wanted to talk about in regards to physicality because the Jets seemed to have a little bit of roughness tonight. But again, this was roughness in the in the way that, you know, in in, in the way that uh, a toddler, not to, like a, a, a kid playing house league slams their stick on the ice after they get pissed off. Um, you know, the, the Jets were trying to cause some stuff after the, you know, after whistles, which, you know, I, it depends on how you look at it. Like you could look at it from the sense of you're trying to, you know, trying to cause a spark for your team. But the way I saw it was just a pathetic, yeah, slappy kind of just trying to trying to piss the other team off while they sit there laughing, going, <laughs> "Look at the scoreboard, guys! What the hell? You guys haven't shot on on our goalie in 20 minutes." Like that's that's how I looked at it tonight, and maybe that's just how abysmal the Jets were tonight that I can't really give them credit for trying to spark something in them. But uh, brutal, just a brutal game. Um, you know, we're already at 30 minutes in. Uh, I'll touch really quickly on trade deadline stuff. Uh, I think tonight, again, is an example as to why the Jets, you know, need a little bit more help up front, maybe an, another defenseman. Uh, I've originally wasn't on the you need another defenseman train, but, uh, you know, after some some more thought, you know, reading uh, Murata Tesh had a couple of really great articles um, talking about, you know, what the Jets have in regards to the Stanley Cup contender uh, checklist. You should go check that out if you if you have an athletic subscription. Um, Murata Tesh obviously has the best articles. Fantastic. He's worth the subscription all on its own. Um, but, uh, but you know, one of the things that I think the Jets could use is maybe another top 4D. Uh, but really, the my eyes are set on the forwards because that is by far the most obvious uh, place where they need some sort of upgrade. Uh, in my opinion, the, you know, a, a contender version of the Jets um, involves Blake Wheeler not being in the top six. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's, that's the guy who, if you're able to push him down to your third line, Makes a world of difference. Again, he can be given. I, I, I am a firm believer that Blake Wheeler can be given a role if Rick Rick Bonus comes to him and goes, "Hey, we need you to uh, play a more defensive game. You you have to be defensive first. You're putting. I'm putting you on this responsible line with Lowry and Barron. Your goal is to work outwork the other team and allow as little shots as possible." I think that Blake Wheeler could potentially thrive in that role. And again, and again, you're getting a, a reduced minutes with a guy who's getting a bit older. Um, I think if you can afford to push him down the lineup, um, which the Jets can't right now, but if you can afford to do that, that gives you three hard playing lines. Um, you know, I think the Jets could probably use even more than that. But right now, let's just say one big piece, uh, one you know top six winger would be the first thing that I look to. Um, and of course I'm going to say, I would love for the people in the chat to let me know who they think, uh, or who is, is their ideal trade, uh, deadline target. Uh, for me, it's Timo Meyer. I mean, it's kind of obvious it, it's, it, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been kind of, you know, saying how much I want Meyer and I put out a cap friendly armchair GM thing that would never happen, but he's easily 
top of my list. Uh, I think he fits the Jets system perfectly. He's a guy who uh, is still pretty young, can can provide a lot of offense, but also be responsive defense or responsible defensively. He's only making six mil right now. The Jets are kind of um, predicted to have about nine mil in cap space available to them. Uh, and I think that he is the ideal trade deadline target right now. They're saying that the package is going to look something along the lines of, uh, the Alex to bring deal, which was uh, a first, a second and uh, a third the next year. Keep in mind though, one of those first was a, was seventh overall. Um, but also with the fact that this year's draft is, uh, absolutely stacked, maybe, you know, a 20th pick or, you know, whatever you, the sharks think the, um, Jets are going to finish at, uh, that would be, you know, potentially of similar value. Um, but I'm not sure if that has to do with, you know, if, if you're getting him automatically re-signed as a part of the trade deal, or if you're just getting him, uh, with his current status where he's going to be an RFA at the end of the year, and then has the $10 million qualifying offer, yada, yada, yada. Either way, Timo Myers is a guy who I absolutely would be targeting. And also, if you can extend him, uh, allows the Jets a little more wiggle room with all the potential cuts they have, or not cuts, but potential guys walking away. Obviously, we've heard all the rumors with Dubois, the Nick Kiprios clip. Um, you know, I, I think winning changes a lot and, uh, and, and things can change any day. But I would say at the moment, his sights are probably sell, set elsewhere. But that doesn't mean that can change or that can't change. So uh, if I'm the Jets, I do everything in my power to try and get Pierre-Luc Dubois to come back, um, which would include, in my opinion, icing a better hockey team around him, which would include Timo Meyer in it. Uh, then you can, you know, if other guys walk, so be it. Uh, you still have some key pieces that are going to be good for you uh, going forward. What is it? Timo, Timo Meyer is like, what, 26? Like he's got a lot of career left in him. He's a guy who I would absolutely love to have long term. Him and Ehlers played together back in Halifax. Uh, but yeah, that was this is a long time to spend on Timo Meyer, uh, especially when he's been uh, kind of linked to the Devils. But I also think that uh, we haven't heard a lot from where the Jets are kind of aiming. So maybe just the news hasn't came out as to who they're targeting or who they're talking to. Um, obviously, there's Bo Horvat, who I think also would be another great addition. Obviously, he's the traditional rental uh, piece. I think that uh, he he would work well with the Jets, allow the Jets to maybe put, you know, a Shifley on the wing or something like that uh, in the top six. Or you can, you know, stretch those guys out, go, you know, Dubois, Shifley, Horvat, uh, Lowry down the middle, and then you're set for forever. Uh, not forever. You're set for the, the offseason in regards to centermen. Uh, no matter what line goes on, you have a good, uh, responsible player. Um, other guys I would look to, uh, obviously there's the Jesse Pugliarvi stuff that's going on. At some point, the Oilers are going to have to move him because they need uh, cap space to activate Kaylor Yamamoto off their IR. Uh, he's making three mil uh, in my, and they're looking for a left-handed defenseman. In my opinion, I've been saying this since the off season. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, and of course this is just me, you know, speculating, just saying trades that come to my head. I would love to see if there's a potential Logan Stanley trade uh, there. Uh, I think that, you know, Ken Holland is the type of guy who would be interested in uh, a player of uh, Logan Stanley's stature and what he allegedly brings to the lineup with his physicality, which I thought tonight he was, you know, at the start, he was a little physical, but I think as soon as the play gets, you know, really uh, much more intense, he kind of loses that physical edge. And at the same time, I think that physicality is um, something that we like to glorify. And a lot of times when you see hits, you're not really separating a player from the puck. You're just kind of hitting him after he's passed the puck. Yes, it does, uh, you know, psych psychologically affect the team. You know, they're they're looking behind their backs. They're trying to make passes quicker. They're a little more scared. But at the same time, I I don't think that he provides. You know, I, I think that Dylan Sandberg is 
provides everything that Logan Stanley does, um, but is a little safer in his own zone other than the minor gaff here and there. But we always see that from Stanley too. So um, moving on, uh, Garland would be an interesting pl- guy uh, from the from the Canucks as well too. You know everything that's going on there. They seem to not really be a huge fan of him anymore. I wonder how cheap you could get him. Uh, he would be a player who would be kind of on the lower end of uh, of middle six guys to look at but I think that he's still interesting. Uh, and then on the defensive end of things, uh, a player who I was looking at is Jake McCabe. Uh, when he was a UFA uh, or a UFA, RFA, UFA, UFA. I think he was a UFA previously. When he was a UFA previously and signed in Chicago, he was one of the guys who I was hoping the Jets would go out and potentially uh, sign. He's great on both ends of the puck. Um, and he's got good defensive metrics in in Chicago. So he must be pretty good. Uh, I think he would be great right now. The price for him is, uh, if you want him at his $4 million, uh, cap it, you can pay a second for him. Uh, and then if you want him at 50, 50% retained, it would be a first. Uh, so obviously in my opinion, I think you got to go with the the second, cause I think you're probably gonna need the first in, in the bigger trade, uh, that the Jets make, uh, there's Luke Shen, uh, on in back in Vancouver. I seem to have, uh, <laughs> seem to just want to talk about Vancouver guys apparently, but, um, it would be interesting. And then uh, one name I forgot to mention, which I haven't looked at the chat, but I'm sure that they're mentioning it is um, <laughs> I'm sure that people are wondering about Jonathan Taves. In my opinion, I don't think Jonathan Taves is the answer for the Jets. Um, I think he could be part of it. Uh, he, you know, he'd be really interesting. It'd be a great story to you know, see him come home. We've seen uh, an example with uh, actually going to the Sabres, seeing a guy like Alex Tuck come in. He's a hometown guy. Uh, and and just vibes-wise, is good for the team. And obviously, Jonathan Taves has previous accolades. In my opinion, I think you should only really consider the past three years of a player. And he hasn't really done much in the past three years. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I also think that uh, I think that the the cap space could be better spent elsewhere. Again, he's a ten million, ten and a half million dollar player. If he's able to. Um, you know, if you can get him at 50% retained, it's still 5.25. That's already half of your cap deadline space. Over half, actually. Uh, and I think that he doesn't move the needle exactly enough that the Jets need. Um, I think if you are trading for him, you have to trade for another forward for sure. Um, and, you know, people give give him a lot of credit for his ability to take faceoffs. Um, and th- this was a thing I, you know, I kind of mentioned I have a chat about. But... Recently, there's been a lot of chatter about faceoffs uh, for the Jets. And while I do think that faceoffs are valuable and winning faceoffs are valuable, uh, just as I said with uh, Dumpin saying that they're a glorified turnover, faceoffs are just a glorified puck battle. They have the same result as if it, winning a faceoff has the same result as winning a puck battle. Um, you know, I think that it's important to get guys who are able to win draws, but I don't think that the focus needs to be on that specifically. Uh, You know, winning a faceoff is very specific to a moment. You know, if, if you're defending a lead at the end of a game and you need your, there's a, you know, a draw in your own zone, you need to be able to win that faceoff. You need to make sure that you get possession in that specific moment. But in the grand scheme of things, faceoffs aren't really worth a lot of it. Like aren't, that valuable again like i said it's it's a puck battle it's the exact same thing as two guys going to the boards and one guy steals the puck from him and gets possession sure it's great to start with possession all the time but like i said i think that you know 
I think we're putting a lot of value on faceoffs and the amount that, you know, Kevin Sawyer and the guys on on the broadcast like to talk about the Jets faceoffs. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, th- th- there was some some mention of how the Jets were awful in, in the draw in the first period. And again, if you come out of that first period tonight thinking the Jets were bad because they didn't win enough faceoffs, uh, I'm sorry, there's you, there's so much more to the game than that. Um, and so that's why, again, I think that a lot of the value that people see in Jonathan Taves is this, you know, defensively responsible forward uh, a centerman who can win draws and this and that. And I just don't think that it carries the same value that a lot of people think it does. Um, however, again, for the right price, uh, I would absolutely take him on, on our team. But um, again, I still think that the cap space could be better spent elsewhere, but we'll see what happens, what shakes out. And, um, you know, the Jets might be able to get him for real cheap because he does have a no move clause. He is interested in coming back here. Uh, and I, I've heard things as much as like it might only cost a second or a third. Again, I'm interested, but I don't think he's my uh, top of top tier guy to look at. Um, anyways, this has been a long one. Thank you all for tuning in. Please, please. We have a we have a decent amount of people here. Please go ahead and uh and like the uh, like the stream. That would be really fantastic if you could. We really really appreciate it. Um <laughs> uh this is modern history in the chat goes beautiful logo in jersey. Boy oh boy, the Jets made it look really gross tonight. But hey, it is what it is. Um hopefully the Jets are much better in the next game. Who are they playing again on the weekend? Uh, they play on Saturday against the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, in Winnipeg once again. Hopefully they uh, you know they have a good practice tomorrow. Uh, Bones lays into them and lets them know that that is unacceptable uh, how they played, and hopefully they can come back, win a big game against the Flyers, get some momentum rolling into the All Star break, where we'll we'll see some Jets players do some fun stuff at the Skills Competition and the All Star Game in Florida. Anyways, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, my name is Brady. Uh, follow me on Twitter at NHL Chunky. Uh, follow at SDPN Sports. Um, uh, Alyssa and I, uh, we have our own podcast called At Can't Teach Size. It's called, sorry, Can't Teach Size. Um, we haven't done a podcast in a while, but we should be doing one this weekend. I think we're going to do a bit of a trade deadline primer. So uh, don't be surprised if you hear a similar taste from me there. But I think we're going to talk about the league in general. So look out for that. Um, yeah, have yourselves a good night and, uh, you know, hopefully you guys all have a wonderful Friday tomorrow. We'll see you on the weekend. Hopefully it's a good game against the, uh, the Flyers. Have yourselves a wonderful evening. Get some sleep. We'll see you next time. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.